Hi everyone, Dave Therrien here, and we're continuing in our series, 30 Days to Easter. Now, Easter was already celebrated, we talked about it yesterday, but what about after Easter? Let me ask you, what are the after effects of Easter? How does it affect our lives? Do you understand that you are a brand new creation in Christ? And what does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about today. What happens to my life? How am I affected because I understand Resurrection Sunday? Oh, this is going to be a good one. Don't miss this one. And maybe it'll be good for a replay. Because this is really the basis of our Christian faith, the basis of our Christian stamina, the basis of our feeling feeling accepted by God, gives us all the hope we need to go forward in life. So this is a good one. So let's get right into our service and learn what happens after Easter. What does it mean to be a new creation in Christ? Well, we are just coming out of the Easter season where we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you know, that's really important. It's not something we take for granted because the Apostle Paul said, In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Vain means empty. My preaching is empty. Your faith is empty. If Christ has not been raised, you know what? Let's just go home. Let's go home because it's not worth anything. But Christ has been raised. And that's what makes all the difference. If not, empty preaching, empty faith equals empty life. Empty life here on earth, empty life in eternity. See, that's the great thing about faith. Faith will fill your life. People want a full life and they do all kinds of things to try to get it fulfilled. And the reality is faith and faith alone will fill your life. So we're thankful that Jesus has been raised. Now, because of two things, you have become brand new. We're going to see today that you have become, as a believer, a brand new individual. Why? Because number one, Christ has been raised. And number two, you believe it. That's important. Hey, Jesus was raised for everybody, but you know what? Everybody doesn't benefit. Only those who believe. And that's you. That's many of you. All of you, I hope, have come to a place of believing. And the result is the Bible calls you a new creation. A new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's the condition. I'm in Christ. How do I get in Christ? At the moment of believing, the Holy Spirit takes me and puts me, boom, in Christ. Now I'm in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Now that doesn't mean you're a creature from the Black Lagoon. The word means a new creation. Okay? The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So we're going to see... God has made us very, very different at the moment of salvation. Now, there's no difference in how you look in the mirror before salvation and after salvation, much. 
But there's something that went on inside that made us totally new. God didn't wash us up. He made us new. There's a difference between washing the car and getting a new car. You can wash your car, but it's still the same old car. But when you get a new car, boy, that's a little better, isn't it? Smells like brand new. No french fries under the seat. It's awesome. Well, God didn't wash us up. He made us a brand new creation. So because we've been made brand new in the eyes of God, I want us to see today a picture of our lives before Christ and then after Christ. We'll examine seven aspects of what we were and what we have become in Christ. Okay? Number one, before Christ, we were doomed because of sin. We were doomed right out of the chute. Literally, the chute, the womb, came out and we were doomed. John 3.18, Jesus said, He who does not believe has been judged already. <laughs> Just by not believing, I'm already judged. I'm born judged. I'm born that way. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus said, therefore, and he said this to the people that were very religious, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, because they thought their religion was going to save them. Jesus said, well, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he... You're going to die in your sins. And if you die in your sins, then you're going to pay for your own sins because you rejected the atonement that I offered. So that's before Christ. We're doomed. We're born doomed. But, oh, after Christ, Jesus next said, he who believes in me is not judged, is not doomed. So believing takes it away. Believing removes the judgment, removes the condemnation. That's what we are now because of Christ. That's why the Bible can say in Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I was born condemned. When I put my faith in Christ because of the resurrection, the condemnation has been removed. Secondly, before Christ, we were in darkness I don't know about you, but I don't like the darkness. It's tough to see. Ephesians 4.18, Paul said, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. Wow. This is why people have so much trouble with each other. This is why people don't get along. This is why people fight, why they argue. This is a root problem of dysfunction in society and families and wherever people are gathered together. Why? Think of it. In darkness, outside of God's life, ignorant, hard heart. All these things contribute to a real messed up world because of messed up lives. But that's before salvation. After Christ, something happens. Paul said in Ephesians 5.8, For you were formerly darkness. He's saying, you know, okay, yeah, that's what we were. But now you are light in the Lord. What's the difference between darkness and light? In the light I can see. 
In the darkness, I stumble. In the light, I can see where I'm going, which means I have clear thinking. Paul said, you were formerly afar off, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Far away from God. You know, when you get far from somebody, you can't hear them, right? The farther away they are, it's like, what? Because they're too far away. But the closer you are, the more you can hear them. And when we were before Christ, far away from God, couldn't hear God. But Christ brought us near. And now God can speak to our heart. And he can impress things upon us because of his word. And we can be led and we can be guided by the Lord himself. That's why, after Christ, because of the resurrection. Thirdly, before Christ, we were slaves to other things. A lot of people might not admit that, if that right now, without Christ, they're slaves, but they are. Paul said in Galatians 4.8, However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. Now, here he's talking to the Galatians, who were Greeks. And they had oh, pfft, myriads of gods. I mean, you name it. They had more gods than Carter has liver pills. That's an old expression. That's really old. I don't, we don't even hear that anymore, huh? How about, they had more gods than Raisin Bran has raisins. That make better? They have two scoops now, I hear. So anyway, they, had, they worship a lot of gods. Many, but yet they were not gods. So how do we bring that up to contemporary standing today? Well, today, the gods are anything that is not worthy of our dedication or our service. Whatever we give ourselves to, and it's not worthy of our service, it's not worthy of our dedication, that can become God-like. We become slaves to that. And let me tell you, before salvation, people run around, like I said, trying to find that thing that will fulfill them, and they never find it. Because you can only find it in Christ. So that slavery has been removed in Christ because we found something worthy of our dedication and worthy of our service. And that's Christ. He's the only one that's worthy. So that's before Christ, people are slaves to the things of life. After Christ, Paul said, Galatians 4, 7, still talking to those Greeks, Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Why? Because you're saved, you're born again. But a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. I want you to note the way Paul's talking to them. Son is in the singular, making it personal. When he said they were slaves, he's saying, you're slaves, you were formerly slaves. He's talking to the whole group. Oh, but now he says, you have been made a son. Now he's singling out every individual and making God personal. He wants them to say that when they become children of God, it's personal. It's not like God's dealing with the whole group. He actually deals with us one-on-one, -on -one, one by one. We can have that personal relationship with God. This is the Father 
drawing you in, affirming that you are in his family and then air with Christ. We sang some songs today. That last song we sang, man, covers all these points. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know that you're a child of God? Before Christ, number four, we were on the road to destruction. <laughs> That's not a good road. Any road that leads to destruction, that's not a good road. Did you know that? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, the gate is wide and the way is broad. That means, oh, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to take that road. But wait, where's it going? It leads to destruction. That's bad enough, but you know what makes it worse? There are many who enter through it. Jesus is saying that before salvation, there's this wide road with a big wide gate, and people are like cattle, herding through that gate, going down that road. And you know where it leads to? It leads to hell. That's where it's going. And that's everybody before salvation is on that road. But after Christ, he said on the next verse, Oh, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Like, like, I don't get it. How can God offer so much to everybody and yet most people are like, nah, I'm all right. I'm okay. You probably heard, oh, if it works for you, that's good. I'm glad you're happy. But I'm all right. I'm like, no, you're not all right. You've got nothing. You've got nothing going for you. You're empty. You're on the road that leads to hell. That's not, that's not all right. God is inviting us in. Yeah, it's a narrow road. And he knows most people are not going to want it. They're not going to take it. It's the few. The minority of humankind will squeeze through that gate and get on that road that leads to life. That's a shame, because it doesn't have to be that way. Number five, before Christ, we were dull to spiritual things. This is why you never want to argue things of God with a non-believer, because they don't get it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, a natural man, which means a natural-minded man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't accept them. Why? They are foolishness to him. Imagine that. Picks up the Bible and he goes, that's dumb. That's silly. That's not right. That doesn't make sense. Why is it foolishness to him? He cannot understand it because it is spiritually appraised. In order to understand what God says in his word, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is like We'll call him the translator. If you go to a foreign country and they speak a different language and you don't speak that language, well, it's going to be gibberish because you don't speak that language. You don't understand it. So you need a translator. And the translator can bring the two together. The Holy Spirit is like that translator. God is speaking, and because we've got the Spirit, we can understand spiritual things. 
But to be void of the Spirit is not to understand the wonderful things God wants to say. It's to miss it. It's to miss out on the whole thing. Absence of the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God impossible to understand. It's not accepted, and it's deemed foolish. Foolishness means absurd, silly. That's why in your witnessing to your non-Christian friends or acquaintances, don't discuss the things of God. Just discuss Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all you can discuss. Talk about Jesus, why he came, what he did, who he is. You can't discuss all the other things. You can't discuss end times events. You can't discuss giving. Oh, God forbid, talk to giving. Tithing to a non-believer, they think you're nuts. Things like that. You can't discuss forgiving 70 times 70 with a non-Christian. No, they're like once, maybe that's it. They'll never go beyond one. Maybe one and a half, 70 times 70. Are you out of your mind? But you see, with God, no, 70 times 70, that's pretty good. That just means you keep forgiving. So there are so many things in Scripture that they're spiritually appraised. They don't make sense to the person void of the Holy Spirit. That's where we all were before salvation. We were all like that. We're not judging anybody. Every one of us were born that way. And thankfully, through the grace of God, somehow, some way, we responded to the gospel. We said yes to Jesus. We said yes. And the Spirit came in, and He indwelt us, and everything changed. We have become a new creation. Brand new. Like we never were before. So that's before Christ. Things are spiritually appraised. We're in darkness, ignorance. Hot, hot, right? After Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.15, but he who was spiritual, that means you have the Spirit. Doesn't mean you light candles. Doesn't mean you have go in a circle and hold hands. No, it means you have the Spirit indwelling you. He who is spiritual appraises all things. Now the word appraise, I like this word, it means to examine, scrutinize. See, you're listening and you're paying attention, and you're making sure that what you're hearing is also correct. And by the way, Jesus said, whenever he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Now, I believe when Jesus said that, he was talking to the disciples, and it had a reference to them writing scripture. You know, they walked with Jesus for three years. How are they going to remember everything? Well, the Holy Spirit was going to come and inspire them and bring to their remembrance the events of their life with Jesus. And they wrote it down in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were inspired by the Spirit. And he reminded them. But you know, in principle, it works for us too. That is, you get God's Word in your soul. You know what the Spirit does? At the moment needed, he brings up to your remembrance what you need for that particular situation. And maybe you've had times when you were witnessing to someone, you were sharing your faith, and you said some things that you didn't even know you knew. 
I've heard people say that. It's like, wow, I was telling them about Jesus and I didn't even know I knew the things I was saying. Where they come from? They were inside you because you were faithful to learn and they, you just forgot about them. But at the moment needed, the Spirit brought it to your remembrance. So you don't have to memorize everything. You just have to get it in your heart. And the Holy Spirit, well, don't you worry, He'll bring it out. It's amazing. I guarantee you know more than you think you know. You know a whole lot more. See, you think you only know what you remember. No, you know what you've learned. And maybe it's been pressed down. But the Spirit will bring it up. And He'll disclose to you whatever it is that needs to be said. It's incredible. After salvation, the wonderful things that God is doing for us. Number six, before Christ, in Philippians 3.18, Paul said, For many walk of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping. Paul's crying about this. This really bothers him. It really bothers him. And you know what it is that bothers him? That they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul understands what that cross means. That cross means my sins have been paid for. And if I just embrace that, and believe it. I become a new creation. And Paul says, I am weeping. I am weeping over people that refuse it. And what he's saying is, if you refuse the cross of Christ, you are an enemy of God. God's enemy. You're not like, God is not sentimental. Well, you know, they don't mean it. No. Paul said, you're God's enemy. You know why? That's how much he loves his son and what his son did for us. Don't people have enough enemies in the world without having God as an enemy? I mean, you think about it, right? We got all kinds of people in the world that are potential enemies. Who need, you, you don't want God to be an enemy. You want God to be your friend. You want to be on God's side. Well, all I have to do is embrace the cross. This is really bothering Paul, that people would still refuse the atonement that Christ provides. But what happened after Christ? He said, if while we were enemies, that's all of us, wait, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. That means that Jesus died for all of his enemies. We were all enemies of God. But when Christ died, that animosity was done away with the moment we believed. See, it wasn't like we were nice, good, friendly people when Jesus died for us. It wasn't like, well, you know what, you guys, are, some of you guys are really good. I'm just going to pay for your sins. It's like, no. He paid for everybody's sins. We were all enemies of the cross before salvation. But once we embraced the cross, we became friends. God has drawn us near. We've been brought into favor with God. And Paul said, therefore, having been justified, here it is, by faith. By faith. And we said faith is the fulfillment of life. Having been justified by faith, we have 
peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. You know, I'm thankful for the Christian God because the, 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 the gods of the Greeks and the Romans, oh man, they never had peace. They were always trying to appease them. And sometimes they even sacrificed their own babies, their own children, to appease their gods, human sacrifice. And they were never appeased, never. But you know what the Bible says now? Christ was our sacrifice. And because of him, we have peace with God. You know, when you have peace with somebody, you can go to them anytime. That means you can go to God anytime. You have peace with him. Not because of you, because of Christ. So the door is always open to God for the believer. Even if you're not in a good place, even if you've stumbled and fallen, the door is still open. He never closes it. Because our peace with God is not based on us and our behavior. It's based on Jesus and what he did for us. He died for us. That opened the door and kept it open. And then lastly, before Christ, we were doomed <laughs> to the lake of fire. This is enough to make everybody weep. John said in Revelation 20, If anyone's name was not found written in the, in the book of life, Huh. He doesn't say if anybody was a murderer, an adulterer, if anybody broke the law. He said if anybody's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What's the condition for that? Are you in the Lamb's book of life? That's the condition. How do I get in the Lamb's book of life? Oh, there it is. I embrace the cross. I accept Christ as my Savior. My name goes in the book. So before Christ, doomed. Everybody, doomed to the lake of fire. Now there are people that hear that and because of their darkness, ignorance, which means lack of knowledge, hardness of heart, that's silly to them. Right? It's absurd. That's ridiculous. Once you're dead, you're dead. Says who? Says them. Based on what? Their opinion. But when you understand spiritual things, you say, ooh, your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're thrown in the lake of fire. That's the destiny of all Christ rejectors. But after Christ, oh, it's different. Jesus said, and we sang about this today. That song really meant something today as we were singing it because I knew the verses we were going to look at. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, Jesus said. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. I like that. Jesus went ahead to prepare a divine dwelling place for all those that believe in him. Hey, listen, have you joined the Hope Club yet? Oh, it's so easy now. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click on Join the Hope Club. Take you right to everything you need to know. You'll get a devotional in your email box every morning, Monday through Friday. Build up your faith in your walk with Christ. <laughs> 